Welcome to the Hugo Knows Podcast with your host, Ray Hugo. Yeah, you know. And today I want to talk about American slang. American slang. I'm not going to get into Ebonics. I'm going to talk about American slang. And I found a list of 40 words that are a part of the American vernacular. And it is crazy because we use these words all the time without even thinking twice about it. We use the slang all the time without thinking twice about it. And many times we don't even question where we've learned it from. And it's amazing because I have a five-year-old son and he's beginning to use different words and terms and phrases because he watches a lot of TV. And so... He is picking up on a lot of American slang, and it is so hilarious to hear. And I'm questioning myself, saying, hey, where did you hear that from? How do you know that? And so anyway, what I want to talk about today is these list of words that I have here. And so I'm going to go, it's actually 40 words, and this is going to go pretty quick, but definitely want to break down these words. And uh, hope you, hopefully you will enjoy this here. And I want to start with the first word. The first American slang word that I want to discuss or talk about is the word bail. Bail. It's it's an intransitive verb for leaving abruptly. For instance, if you say, man, why did you bail out on me? Man, you left. You left. You bailed. Or, man, we had to hurry up and get out of there. We had to bail. We had to bail because... It was it was something crazy happening, so we had to bail. So bail is the first one. Now, typically, bail is something you, you know, you would put up money in order to get out of jail. Bail. <laughs> so bail means leave abruptly. That's an American slang. That's number one. Uh, I'm out on bail. That's what Tupac said. <laughs> but then he also said, I'm bailing from the police. So bail, bail, bail. Number two, feeling blue, have the blues. Um, That phrase means a feeling of depression or sadness. Somebody says, oh, man, I feel blue. Blue is really just a color, but I don't understand how the association with the color blue became a feeling. I feel blue. I have the blues. I want to play the blues. Down home blues. The blues. I'm not sure how that came to be, but... That is definitely an association with depression or sadness. And the next one, and I love this one, a buck. And it's a slang term for the American dollar. I need a buck. Do you have a buck? Let me borrow a buck. Yo, I'm getting the big bucks. I don't know where those bucks came from because typically bucks are associated with an animal, like a deer, a buck. But... It's actually a slang term for the American dollar, a buck. And to go even deeper, and I said I wasn't going to get into Ebonics, but nowadays we say, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. And a buck represents 100%. I'm going to keep it 100% with you. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I'm going to keep it real with you. And so, yes, we have that slang term. And then the next one we have here is number four, by the skin of my, your, his, or her teeth. 
by the skin of my teeth, by the skin of your teeth. That means just barely. I just barely did something. I got my my 3.0 by the skin of my teeth. I was able to get my homework done in time by the skin of my teeth. I paid that bill off by the skin of my teeth. Oh my goodness. She made she made that jumper by the skin of her teeth. He scored that touchdown by the skin of his teeth. Oh my goodness, he almost got blocked. But he ended up shooting it and making it by the skin of his teeth. It's by the skin of your teeth means just ba- I just barely made it. That man almost hit me in his car, but I got past him by the skin of my teeth. All right, so number five. This is an interesting one. Creep. A creep is an unpleasantly weird, strange person. And I know you've heard this before. Creep. Oh, my goodness. He's such a creep. He's such a creep. That's, or she's a, she's a creep. Or, But creep, typically, people associate creep with, like, a movement, like a sneaking up on somebody. But here in this term here, creep means an unpleasantly weird or strange person. So, people get called creeps quite a bit. You creep. Uh, yeah, so that's number five. Number six, couch potato. A couch potato is a lazy person who spends the bulk of their time engaged in things that can be done while sitting on a couch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so, you know, today in our society, we have a lot of technology, which is creating a lot of couch potatoes because you do not need to do anything to get anything. Now you could just order everything through your phone, which means then you don't have to make move at all which then creates a couch potato. Couch potatoes typically are people who sit on the t- sit on the couch and watch TV, eat, and they don't do anything. They're just lazy. They don't want to get up for anything. Couch potato. Um, I'm not sure where that term couch potato came from. It's definitely interesting, though. A couch potato. Just imagine that. Couch and potato. When I hear that, it makes me think about potato chips couch potato someone sitting there on the couch being lazy eating potato chips anyway let's go to number seven number seven is cram that was a big one when i went to college everybody was cramming for that midterm everybody was cramming for that test cram means to study feverishly before an exam typically done after neglecting to study consistently (laughs) Cram, oh my goodness, cramming, we crammed quite a bit, and it was not, oh, it was not fun, because uh, we knew that if we crammed, we may or may not get good results, we were praying that we would, but we would wait last minute to, to study and powwow together, pulling all-nighters in order to uh, pass those tests, cram, also, cram, when I think about cram, I think about stuffing something into it. So if you, you cram, uh, I'm not sure what you can say. You can cram all the groceries in the pantry. They may not all fit, but you cram them in there. So same way you would cram information into your mind. Number eight is crash. To abruptly fall asleep or show up without invitation. Ah, to abruptly fall asleep. 
Yeah, crash. Oh, that's interesting. It has two meanings to it. Yeah, crash is definitely uh, associated with sleeping. So, for instance, you may drink uh, Starbucks coffee. You get that buzz in the morning, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of that morning, you begin to crash because you come off of that nicotine high. Not nicotine, nicotine high, but you come off of that caffeine high. (laughs) Excuse me. Well, yeah, you can crash too if you smoke cigarettes, and all of a sudden... You need another cigarette. However, you may you may be at work and you can't leave to go out to smoke that cigarette. You've now crashed because you were dependent on that nicotine high. Now you're crashing. Also, it says crash means to show up without invitation. So crashing is sim- similar to, uh, and like say you crash a car, that means you run into something. So crashing maybe a party or crashing a wedding or crashing, just any event. It means to just show up. Oh, we're yeah, we're going to go over there. I'm going to crash the party. I'm not going to be in, invited or anything. I'm just going to show up. That's crashing. So that's an American term that's used quite often. Number nine, down to earth. What does that mean? People use this all the time. Down to earth. It says down to earth and adjacent, excuse me, an adjective <laughs> adjacent. And adjacent is a word, an adjective for practicality and lack of pretense. An adjective for practicality. So somebody is down to earth. What does that mean? That means you're you're pretty humble. You're down to earth. You keep it real. You keep it practical. Um, the opposite of people being down to earth, meaning oh man, their their head is they're stuck up. Their head they're above the clouds. Is what they say. Um, down to earth means yes, this person just keeps it real. He keep he's down to earth. He's he or she is honest. All right, so that's another one. Down to earth. Number ten, drive up the wall. Excuse me. Drive up the wall to irritate. So when I was a kid, my brother and I, we would every time my mom would get on the phone, we decided we wanted to start fighting we would not fight before that for some reason when my mother would get on the phone we just begin to make all types of noise and fight so she says you are driving me up the wall or she would say you're getting on my last nerve drive up the wall drive up the wall means you're driving somebody crazy and so i don't know where that came from but it's Definitely funny to think about. Drive up the wall. I don't know what you would drive up the wall. What? How could something be driven up the wall? How can a person be driven up the wall? I know I've seen it in cartoons, maybe. Tom and Jerry. I don't know. Anyway, number 11. For real. A proclamation of honesty. A proclamation of honesty. For real. I am for real. So people say, that really happened? Oh, yeah. For real? Yes, for real. It happened. No, for fake. No. It was for real. It. This is for real. For real. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that came from, but we use it all the time without even blinking. When you say, I'm, I'm for real. I'm not lying. I'm for real. 
You're proclaiming your honesty. Number 12, going Dutch. I never understood this. I remember hearing this when I was younger. Yes, I went out with her. And did you go Dutch? What is that? Did you both pay for your for your way or did you pay for the date? Going Dutch, when each person, usually in a dating scenario, pays for his or her own meal. So, there were times I've gone Dutch. There were times where I actually paid. And there were times where my date paid for me. So, going Dutch. I'm not sure where that comes from. I don't know what the basis of that is. Do Dutch people split bills? I'm not sure where that came from. But it's something we say quite often, especially in dating scenarios. Number 13, the cold shoulder. A metaphor for deliberately ignoring someone. Oh, yeah, this one's been used quite a bit. Ooh, man, you tried to holler at that girl, and she gave you the cold shoulder. She completely ignored you. And now we use another phrase or term. Uh, oh, you got curved. She curved you. He curved you. Yeah, but giving somebody the cold shoulder, just completely ignoring them. And then when I when I hear that, I always think about somebody um, walking past somebody and then looking back at them over their shoulder and completely ignoring them. Uh, very funny visual. Anyway, number 14, give a ring. To call someone on the telephone. Hey, give me a ring. Give me a ring. How do you give somebody a ring? When you call them, their phone rings. That's how you give them a ring. Um, yeah, it makes sense. But when I hear give a ring, it also sounds like give somebody a literal ring. Give a ring. All right, here's number 15. Hyped. A very excited state. I was hyped. We were hyped. Yep, that's definitely one I've used quite a bit, and we still use it. In fact, Kid and Play, back in the 1980s, came out with a song and an album called Too Hype. Too Hype. Hype was definitely a word where we, we talked about being excited, but also hype has been used related to drugs, too. So hype is a, has a lot of... Uh, a lot of mileage on it but hyped means a very excited state he's hyped up she's hyped number 16 hang out to casually gather together or spend time with someone in a social manner yo let's hang out i don't know where hang out came from but when i think about hang out i think about monkeys hanging bats hanging but I don't understand how we as people can hang out to casually gather together and spend time with someone in a social manner. We're hanging out. Let's hang out. I don't get it. Number 17. I've used this a lot. And a lot of people in America use this. Jack up an abrupt increase typically in price in the price of something. Oh, you're going to jack up the price on me? Man, the gas companies, they keep jacking up the prices. Oh, my goodness. They just jacked up the price on the, on the oil. 
Man, look at that stock. That stock price was jacked up. Jacked up also sounds like, and and we use this in, in, in other ways. Jack up meaning like somebody gets hurt or somebody gets beat up. They get jacked up. But jack up typically means you're putting something up. You're increasing something such as the price. Um, and so it happens quite a bit. And so we use it a lot in America because a lot of people will jack up prices on you. They don't drop them. They may jack them up based on demand. All right. So number 18, knock. Knock. Here saying to speak negatively, to disparage, to badmouth. Yeah, we've used that quite a bit in America. Oh, man, he's knocking. Oh, you're going to knock me for that? You're going to knock her? You're going to knock? So, yeah, that's been used quite a bit, knock. But knock has multiple meanings. Knock meaning like knock somebody out, knock. Or knock as in knocking on a door. Knock, but it's to speak negatively. Oh, man, he's knocking. But we might use other terms. But knock is definitely one that, uh, that's been used in America. Number 19 is lighten up. Lighten up to relax, to take, to relax and take things too seriously. Is that what it says? To relax and take things too seriously. Typically stated as an appeal to someone who was acting uptight. Lighten up. I don't know where that, that came from, but, well, I guess I can understand it, though, but I don't understand where that came from. Lighten up now. Lighten up, man. You're too serious. Lighten up. I guess if you you're heavy, you're you have a heavy mentality, you're a heavy thought or heavy speech, and somebody comes and tells you, "Hey, lighten up." That that makes sense. That makes sense. Relax. Lighten up. Lighten your load. I can't knock you for that for lightening up. Lighten up. And light has light has multiple meanings too. Anyway, uh, we're going into number 20, and then we'll take a break here. Pass the buck. Number 20, the phrase is pass the buck. To deflect responsibility onto someone else. I've heard this quite a bit. Oh, you want to pass the buck over to you. When I was in college, we would have group projects, and typically there will always be that one person who would not really step up and do their part. And so, basically, we will look at it as that person is passing the buck to someone else because they didn't do the job that they were supposed to do. So, pass the buck to deflect responsibility onto someone else. I don't understand where pass the buck came from, but it's funny because earlier in this list, we talked about buck, keeping it a buck, or a buck meaning money. A dollar, a buck. So pass the buck. I don't understand how passing the buck and a buck connects to each other, but it seems like buck means two different things. Awesome. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Thanks for tuning in to the Hugo Knows podcast. Ray Hugo, yeah, you know. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Hugo Knows Podcast with Ray Hugo. Yeah, you know. And we're back to talking about American slang words. We left off at number 21 and we're going to go all the way to 40. And here we go. The number 21 American slang word used or phrase used is piece of cake. It's a metaphor to describe something that is easy or effortless. Oh, that was a piece of cake. I'm not sure where that came from, but I've used it quite a bit and it's been used a lot. Oh, that was easy. That was a piece of cake. I'm not sure why a piece of cake, what a piece of cake has to do with something that is very easy or effortless. But hey, we use it quite a bit in America. We do a lot of things that's just not understandable. Number 22, something we've all done at one point in our lives. Pig out. Pig out. A metaphor for binge eating. Yes, sometimes I pigged out. Gone to buffets, pigged out. Gone to cookouts, seen a lot of food, pig out. Oh my goodness. Now that I'm a little bit older, I can't pig out as much as I used to. I have to take it easy because... I know how those things are going to affect me later on, so I don't pig out. But pig out, you just it's a metaphor. You can just envision a pig in a pigsty, and it's just pigging out. Like, there's all types of junk and all types of scraps of food in there, and they're just going to town on it. Yep, pig out. Number 23, plead the fifth. References the Fifth Amendment to the... U.S. Constitution, which allows a witness in court to refuse questions on the grounds that they may risk self-incrimination. So, when it's something you don't want to talk about, and it doesn't have to be in court, you say, oh man, I plead the fifth. I'm not even going to tell you, I plead the fifth. And, um, yeah, that's pretty funny. People do use that, though, outside of court. And it does apply. So anyway, number 24, screw up. To make a mistake, mess up. I've heard people say, man, I'm a screw up. I've never said that. I've thought it, but I've never said it. But yeah, that's definitely, I don't understand where a screw up comes from. I don't understand when you think about a screw, a literal screw is something you put in something. But to screw up something, I'm not sure how that applies, but it means to make a mistake, to mess up screw up so a screw to screw into mess is the same thing as what it's saying here i don't get it number 25 sweet we use this and we still to this day use use this sweet an adjective that describes something that is good or nice it makes sense because because when you think about something sweet sometimes you you'll think about it as, as something good it tastes good so to use that in terms of, oh, sweet, that's great. It's a great opportunity. That's sweet. We used to use that when I was growing up. Oh, look at that car. That car is sweet. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Oh, his, he got a new bike, man. That's sweet. Oh, look at his shoes. That's sweet. Oh, he got a new Nintendo. That's sweet. Mario won. Oh, my goodness. Sweet. Yeah, we use sweet a lot. <laughs> it's always something for something that was good. Number twenty six. Tight. 
tight, an adjective that describes closeness between competitors, a tight competition. Yes, tight is used in multiple ways, but in this here, American slang, yes. Yes, the competition was tight. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was a tight, tight, tight race. Yep, but tight is multiple, multiple uses. I'm not even going to get into all the uses of tight. But, yeah, tight is definitely one that's very popular amongst Americans. 27, trash, can be used as an intransitive verb for destruction. He trashed the car. Not that he crashed the car, not that he totaled the car, which that's another funny one, total a car, but he trashed the car. Or they went inside and trashed the whole apartment. Oh, my goodness, he trashed the back of my car. That's what I say all the time to my kids. You trashed my car. What's going on? 28, uptight, stuffy. Persnickety, the opposite of relaxed. Oh my goodness, you're so uptight. You need to lighten up. You're uptight. Uptight. Yes, uptight. I'm not sure how that came to be, but the the merging of tight and up together, up and tight became uptight. Don't get it, but hey, that's that's definitely a popular one. Another one, number 29, rap something up wrap up to finish or complete something we say that quite a bit at my job towards the end of the day we have to pack up and get ready to leave and so we have to wrap up wrap it up b wrap it up wrap it up wrap up b wrap up so yes that's definitely a popular one number 30 zonked completely exhausted I'm not sure where that came. Well, let's see. Zonked. It has become an American American slang. I've been hearing that in recent time. It's becoming more a little bit more popular. Completely exhausted. Zonked. I'm zonked, man. I'm going to start using I'm zonked, man. I'm zonked. Uh, number. Let me see here. Number 31. Uh, pants. I don't know why. Why are pants on here? I don't get that. Clothing retailers take note. The Brits say trousers. The American default word for the article of clothing that covers the legs and pelvic region seems pretty general to English speakers in the U.S. To the Actual English, however, pants is the primary word they use for underwear. That's for the Brits. <laughs> but we use pants. Uh, we've been using pants forever. We always use, call them pants. I don't get why somebody would call underwear pants, but okay. I don't even know why they threw that in there. Number 32. For the birds. Oh, yes, I've used that. Oh, that's for the birds. Imagine how this phrase must sound to someone who doesn't understand that it refers to something that is substandard in some respects. Is it a bag of seeds or some kind of yard ornament reference? The Brits sometimes use the word bird to refer to women 
in the same way Americans use chicks. So maybe it comes off like reference to girlies, girlishness. Who knows? This is this is for the birds. We I always said for the birds when something just wasn't working out, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is just not gonna work out. This is for the birds. I'm not sure how that came to be. So, so are we saying where we we would want to dismiss something? We want to scrap it and give it away to to the birds to eat to consume. I'm not sure. Uh, number thirty three. Bought the farm. I didn't know he wanted to move to the country. So this. Oh my goodness. These are British slang words. I don't get that. Bought the farm. I've never heard of that one. At this point, bought the farm is a general reference to untimely death. However, the phrase originates from World War II era military accidents involving unreliable aircraft crashing into rural European countryside properties resulting in damage for the which the U.S. government was responsible to pay thereby buying the farm, so to speak. I didn't know he wanted to move to the country at this Oh, my goodness. I've never heard about the farm. I don't think I've heard that before. Bought the farm. Um, number 34, jonesing. <laughs> yes, I've jones before. Jonesing means to want, crave, or desire something intensely. And it's now former joneser, a person who wants or craves something intensely, isn't always apparent even to Americans. Oh, yes, I have a love jones. I have a jones. Keeping up with the joneses. Yep, jonesing. We never use it as that, like, oh, he's jonesing. But we say, oh, he got he got to love Jones. He got to love Jones. I'm not sure where that came from, but Jones, keeping up with the Joneses. All right, 35, take a rain check. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this is an Americanism that dates back to the 1880s. And, refer, and it references the practice of giving baseball game ticket holders a pass to a game that must be rescheduled due to weather. It's also used as a metaphor for postponing or rescheduling a meeting between people to some later date that is more convenient. I'll take a rain check. I never understood that. Rain check. But it is what it is. So number 36, spill the beans. British English speakers might pick up on the word of spill as a metaphor for divulging, but spill the beans might be obscure enough for them to assume a more specific connotation which they are not aware of. Needless to say, spill the beans is an American idiom for divulging secret information. Yes, he spilt the beans. Yep, we've used that before. Spill the beans. Yep, spill the beans. Number 37, shoot the breeze. An idiomatic phrase for killing time with idle chit-chat. Shoot the breeze probably stems from an Old West imagery, either cinematic 
or anecdotal in origin in which men with nothing but time and ammunition on their hands shot their guns at no particular target. <laughs> shoot the breeze. And now people say, shoot the shit. That's what they say. But shoot the breeze. Yep. That sounds about right. Number 38. John Hancock. Put your John Hancock right there. I didn't never understood that until I found out who John Hancock was. And it says, although obscure associative references are a favorite form of Cockney slang, it's untimely that an English person would have any idea who John Hancock was. Their reference would escape them. The name John Hancock became synonymous with a person's signature because his was one of the more flamboyant signatures on the Declaration of Independence. So yeah, he was signing his name in a specific way that stood out. So people would say to this day, put your Jan John Hancock right there, especially when you're filling out contracts. I need your John Hancock right there. Um... I've been told that a number of times, uh, even though not a lot in recent time, but I've been told that, especially from people who are kind of older. Number 39, Monday morning quarterback. I don't know too much about that phrase. Never heard it, but we'll read it what it is anyway. Because quarterback is an on-field leadership position played in American football, which the British have no interest in. And because Monday morning refer references the fact that most NFL games take place on Sundays, this is a doubly obscure metaphor. While Americans understand that the phrase references the practice of criticizing something after fact with the advantage of hindsight, an English person would find this phrase totally meaningless. Alright, so anyway. Monday morning quarterback. I've never heard that used I get it, but I don't, never, never, ever use it. Anyway, number 40, shot, oh, excuse me, ride shotgun. My children scream this out a lot because they want to sit in the front seat next to me as I drive. They say, I got shotgun. I'm like, no, get in the back. When you get a little bit bigger, I'll let you sit in the front. Specifically, my younger, my two younger children, they want to sit in the front all the time. Anyway, ride shotgun. It says here, another phrase taken from Old West folklore. Riding shotgun is a statement of both position and status. A sort of second-in-command support position who works from a preferential van vantage. The imagery invoked by the phrase comes from stagecoaches, specifically the person who rode in the seat next to the driver whose job was to fend off any would-be bandits with a shotgun. So if you're going to ride shotgun, that means you have to be ready to put in that work and make sure that nobody distracts the driver. Anyway, these are the 40 American slang phrases. And so, this is all American. I didn't get into Ebonics. And I think I'm going to do an Ebonics one. But that was 40. We went 40 deep. There was some I had no clue of. There was actually a couple I had no clue of. Some I have heard of. Anyway, 
definitely keep expanding your vocabulary. Definitely keep reading, learning, and keep communicating with one another. And continue to create. Create new words, new phrases. It's so much fun. The English language is complex. However, it is definitely enjoyable once you begin to take root to it. And anyway, we'll just leave it at that. Thanks for tuning in. I know this was kind of a longer one, but I enjoyed it. Just thought you would enjoy it as well. Let me know what your favorite words are, your favorite phrases. If there was any in this list that I listed and spoke of that that you enjoy or like. Anyway, this is Ray Hugo with the Hugo Knows Podcast. Tune in, and I'll be bringing some more for you soon. Peace. Thank you. Yes, indeed. And we are over and out. I'm going to keep it a buck.